Hey there, everyone. My name is Ari, and welcome to Made of Metal, a motivational podcast where we tell stories about regular people overcoming insurmountable odds. So it's the best time of the week, sharing another fantastic fable with my favorite folks. This podcast is undoubtedly the highlight of my week. Love getting to genuinely connect with you all and share these really, really cool and nerdy stories and tidbits. And to be completely transparent, it's been a bit of an interesting last couple of months as I've been preparing for a big cross-country move. I'm super excited, but I'm also absolutely terrified, and I'm doing it anyway. I draw a lot of inspiration from the stories that I share with you guys here. So wish me luck, you guys. And when I finally settle in, I'll share where I'll be based so you guys can uh, give me some good local tips. Anybody's listening from over there. So it's a surprise. But now, onwards and upwards, I'm really excited to share with you about the person we'll be discussing this week. So last week, we'd feature the story of an individual who dedicated his life to the betterment of others, although he himself was born into significant wealth. And that's just a portion of their story. But I really love the element of someone who starts from a place of abundance and instead of settling into that comfort, actively going out to try and improve the conditions of those who are less fortunate. And I wanted to continue that theme with the individual we'll be featuring this week. Now, this individual literally pioneered entirely new ideas that directly resulted in saving or easing the suffering of countless lives, countless individuals. In spite of the significant obstacles, this individual changed the narrative and instilled respect and honor into a position that was traditionally viewed as meaningless. Creating new standards and introducing new knowledge from the ground up. This individual was an innovator and in turn changed the course of an otherwise undervalued industry. As always, I'll give you guys my opinion on this individual. And honestly, after I did all my research, they are truly badass. And the sad part is like when I learn about something that I feel I should know more about, like this individual was very prominent in our secondary school, primary school education. It's just always so enlightening, but also embarrassing (laughs) because it's like, wow, I knew so little about this person. But it's also so satisfying, of course, to really dig into the details. It always starts off with me being just amazed at how little I really knew. So that's the thing about I love about history. It's the gift that keeps on giving. Always so much to learn. With all that being said, I adored writing, learning about this individual. So let's get right into it. This week, we'll be discussing the nurturer the neighbor, the nurse, Florence Nightingale. Florence Nightingale was born May 12, 1820 in Florence, Italy. Florence was the youngest of two daughters born to her parents, William and Francis. Fun fact, Florence's older sister was named Francis Parthenope after her mother in the place she was born as well. You know, I love the unique naming convention. So cool. Florence's family life was affluent and aristocratic, as each of her parents were wealthy in their own right. 
as they each hailed from respectively successful merchant families. In spite of their financial success, Florence's parents also had an educated and worldly upbringing, as their family was full of social reformers, such as William Smith, the abolitionist. Safe to say that these progressive views influenced Florence's father's opinion of how his daughters should be raised. And of course, during this time period, the expectations for women's intelligence and education were quite low. So it wasn't often that women were educated beyond the basics. Florence's father disagreed with this position and worked hard to provide his daughters with a well-rounded education, taking on the role of being their professor. Besides learning the basics, they were each taught on advanced subject matter, such as classic literature, math, and philosophy. From the very beginning, Florence showed an aptitude for academics and truly took joy in learning. And considering her personality, that is no surprise at all. Florence was described as shy, introverted, and humble, all traits that would serve you well if you're very studious. It was reported that Florence strongly disliked all the rules and social obligations that were forced upon her because of her family's status, and she made a point to actively not participate in it. By this point, she'd already demonstrated an active interest in humanitarian and charitable work, dedicating her time to helping those who were less fortunate, focusing her work on her surrounding neighbors and hometown. Florence said her philanthropic work was the beginning of honoring her passion for helping others. Florence's early adulthood was marked by the usual societal restrictions impeded on women, which made it difficult for her to pursue that passion outright. But her lifestyle also exposed Florence to a wide variety of women with varying levels of freedom that inspired her to be different as well. To really understand what was driving Florence towards service for others, her motivations were centered on the beliefs that God personally instructed her to help people. With a distinct vision, Florence decided that she would go to school for nursing in spite of the disapproval from her parents. Before enrolling in school, Florence was able to travel extensively from Egypt to Greece, meeting new people and becoming more aware of the workings of the world. Although wealth did give Florence a comfortable lifestyle, she was also held to the suffocating and restricting expectations that were placed on aristocratic women, a lifestyle that Florence tried to actively avoid. One such expectation was that Florence should be a wife and a mother and nothing else, a notion that Florence rejected entirely. Florence wasn't just all talk either, as she'd received a marriage proposal from a potential suitor right before deciding to pursue her education in nursing. Believing that marriage would take her away from her studies, she rejected the proposal and continued her nursing education. Loving the commitment to one's goals here, by the way. And I'm really getting some Joan of Arc-esque vibes from the determination, the sort of spiritual and divine guidance. Really interesting. Florence would enroll in the Institution of Protestant Deaconesses in 1850 to officially start her nursing program. And later that same year, she would start her first official position as a nurse in a hospital. 
Florence was quickly promoted to superintendent at the hospital within a few short years, as her dedication easily helped her stand out. At the same time, Florence was also volunteering at another hospital close by, helping to manage patients after a cholera outbreak, incorporating groundbreaking sanitation practices that hadn't been used before in order to curb the spread. All this time, Florence was working to hone her nursing skills as she was unknowingly preparing for one of her biggest assignments yet. Around 1853, the Crimean War began, involving the British fighting the Russians. This war was a turning point for Florence as reports of the hard conditions and increasingly high death rate of soldiers continued to make its way back to Britain. The Secretary of War himself, who was a previous friend of Florence from her travels, reached out to her personally as he was well aware of her life's vocation to nursing. He requested that Florence recruit a crew of nurses to travel to Crimea and help to take care of all the wounded British soldiers. Florence would be the lead on this mission, and she took her position seriously, hurriedly pulling together a group of nurses and traveling to Crimea within a couple days. The conditions that the nurses encountered when they arrived cannot be overstated. And I don't want to gross anyone out, so trigger warning for anyone who is squeamish about medical procedures or sanitation. Once the nurses arrived at the hospital, they were in shock. The conditions were gruesome as the nurses made their way into the hospital, observing conditions that made their stomachs turn. The patients were placed around haphazardly, crowded in rooms and halls laying in their own body waste while various bugs and mice ran over everything. There were little to no supplies, and the basics like soap and wound dressings were being rationed. Even more scarce were resources like water and food, as the water provided by the hospital was contaminated by human waste, because any basic sanitation or disease practices were not being used in any part of the soldier's treatment. Sadly, the majority of the soldiers stationed at the hospital weren't dying of their injuries, but of the subsequent disease being brought on by being in the hospital. Instead of being horrified, overwhelmed, disgusted, or discouraged, Florence got to work. The first thing she'd instructed was for the hospital itself to be completely cleaned while she began work tending to the wounded soldiers, as well as requesting government assistance in making the property and grounds itself safe and sanitary. She also began much-needed medical treatments and installed a kitchen, a laundry, a school, and a library to raise the morale of patients and nurses alike. Florence also established much-needed guidelines for the nurses taking care of the soldiers, instituting the standards for nursing, including tending to basic needs such as cleaning and feeding. Florence was reported to always be moving around the halls, constantly tending to the soldiers, instructing the nurses, and helping wherever she could. It was at this hospital that Florence earned the name of Lady with the Lamp as she would carry a lamp at night to tend to the soldiers at all hours. Florence reduced the death rate at the hospital by close to two-thirds, from a high 42% death rate to just a 2% death rate. 
Around 1855, after Florence had been based in Crimea for some time, she contracted a disease, likely from ingesting contaminated food during her travels. Unfortunately, Florence would never fully recover from this disease, as there was no treatment available at the time. This resulted in long periods of Florence being bedridden and needing constant medical care herself. Although the war was officially over in March 1856, and in spite of her disease, Florence stayed in Crimea to continue her work until August 1856, eventually heading back to London. Florence's experience at the hospital in Crimea truly helped to form her ideas about the pillars of medical care, emphasizing the importance of proper sanitation, supplies, and conditions of the medical staff working. While in Crimea, a fund was established in Florence's honor to go towards the training and improvement of nurses in the region. Florence would return home to a celebration in her honor, essentially being welcomed as a savior and hero. This was much to her dismay, as Florence preferred to work without the acknowledgments, but she became a celebrity in her own right. Florence had completely changed the public perception of nursing, as it was considered a job for those within the lower classes, thus not respected. At this point, she'd been awarded a brooch from the queen herself as a reward for her amazing work, as well as a sum of $250,000. Florence would use her funding to start a hospital and a nursing school, specifically to train and incorporate more nurses into the local population. Florence was also a writer who had been documenting her experiences for quite some time, detailing and comparing the effectiveness of different medical treatments. By 1858, Florence was completely bedridden due to her disease and receiving constant medical care. Though she was stuck at home, Florence continued her invaluable and important work from her bed. In 1858, Florence would write and publish notes on matters affecting health, efficiency, and hospital administration of the British Army. And in 1859, Florence would write and publish the book titled Notes on Nursing, which became the foundational knowledge of her nursing school. Florence was also a consultant for the U.S. during the Civil War, as well as for India as they battled public sanitation issues. Florence would spend the rest of her days being a leader in hospital sanitation, nursing training, and patient care guidance. During her lifetime, Florence received many awards, such as being the first recipient of the Royal Red Cross, as well as the first woman to receive the Order of Merit. Florence also received a personal message from the King on her 90th birthday. Florence Nightingale passed away unexpectedly due to complications from her disease in her home on August 13, 1910, at the ripe age of 90. At Florence's request, she didn't want a huge funeral, as she was humble until her end. At the time of her passing, Florence had been working on another book, as well as many, many notes related to nursing. So she was working all the way up until the end. A museum in her honor 
called the Florence Nightingale Museum, was established at the site of her original nursing school to honor her long life and legacy as a pioneer in nursing. See, now a story like this always pulls my heartstrings for a variety of reasons. I mean, firstly, the fact that Florence was so focused on her vision for her life that she completely ignored all the expectations that were placed on her, turning down marriage proposals, seemingly completely sort of rejecting all of the dogma, which wasn't just bold, but also dangerous for women like her in her position. At the time, women weren't allowed to own property, so she would essentially be left penniless if she didn't get married or before she received, you know, that ginormous sum of money. But that wasn't guaranteed. A lot of her life was based on the success of her partner and in finding a spouse. So she completely ignored that. And she could have also easily lived a coddled and sheltered life, you know, away from the suffering of others. But she chose to dive right in. And not to mention her overall intelligence was incredible from her advanced studies in statistics, because when she wrote her books and provided her notes. She was including like graphs and data analysis, as well as her fundamental understanding of human medical care on a basic level. She was a genius in her own right. And also just continuing her work after contracting a disease that literally left her bedridden for the latter part of her life, but never allowing it to completely taking her down, living all the way into the age of 90. That's pretty darn good. I mean, Florence was beyond an inspiration. To me, she was truly an amazing human being who was able to step up and help in ways that other people were afraid to. And I thought this was really cool. So like on her travels, she had uh, came across a little owl whom she nursed and took on as her own. So essentially she would walk around with this little owl in her pocket who was her friend which I just thought was so adorable, a pocket owl, (laughs) like a ready-made like pocket owl. Who knew? She was a pioneer in more than one right, obviously. But I had to end this story on an awesome quote from her, which believe me, look them up. She has many. She has quite a few, but this was one that I really liked. I am of certain convinced that the greatest heroes are those who do their duty in the daily grind of domestic affairs whilst the world whirls as a maddening dreidel. So you can check us out at our website, madeofmetalpodcast.com. And you can also follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube. And that's Made of Metal, M-E-T-T-L-E. Thank you so very much for listening. I love each and every one of you. Yes, I will say it every single time. And please do not forget to bloom where you are planted. (laughs) 